You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Saturday, the 7th of May, 2022. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't worry, the program's not over yet. And I'm not sure how much longer it will go. I plan to... Whatever, there will be one last program just to... So it'll be in the feed, and just so you know that it will be on hiatus for a while. Anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, I am awaiting a call... I am a licentiate for the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Ireland, and I'm awaiting a call. Um, I've only been available since the, what, nearly a week ago now, and uh, since the 1st of May. And uh, once I get a call from a congregation, I will be, I'll do one more program, and then that's going to be it, really, And because I'm going to be focusing and praying about uh, that call, and, and uh, also... In the first year of the charge, I will not be, probably in the first six to 12 months, not exactly sure how long, but that will be a time when there won't be any podcasting, certainly not video. I mean, I, I wonder about the value of video over time, it's just the way the YouTube has changed over the years and it's become more kind of TikTok, clickbaity, uh, not as good as it used to be. There are a number of good websites, don't get me wrong, and podcasting still seems to be a decent enough medium. But things that were a lot better years ago, not so much anymore, the algorithms don't help. So I, I just, um, pouring a lot of time into certain platforms just seems to, simply don't have the time anymore, but it doesn't seem to, really be worth it so anyway keep me in your prayers over the next period of time and uh we'll we'll see what we can get done in programs over the next few weeks or however long uh we have left uh today's program we're going to be looking at brandon robertson and he was in the news a few weeks ago at least a number of Outlets spoke about a comment that he made. He's so-called known as a TikTok pastor. And uh, that's a platform I will never, ever go on. And uh, TikTok, for those of you not aware, it's kind of it's a social media video platforming site. I, I hate to say that it's like YouTube. It's not really... Maybe if you took the YouTube shorts all the time, but basically all I can figure out that it is, is people doing silly dances and putting goofy music in the background. And, uh, and that's the best side of it. <laughs> and there are people who do incredibly short videos on it. And, um, it's a platform that's gotten bigger and bigger. It's run by the, uh, the Chinese communists, <laughs> you know, they're basically gathering your data and all that kind of thing. So not a great platform. But people are on there, and uh, I had not heard of Brandon Robertson before. 
we're going to do, we're going to go over his recent comment, and it's not going to need too much refutation because of the nature of the comment, but we're also going to look at one of his programs where he's talking about being a, quote, uh, why I am a Christian agnostic. So, now, I know people might say, is there any real value in this? Yes, there is, because it helps us. How do we respond if we come up against people who will claim many of the things that you will hear in this video? So, a lot of these things are pretty common claims. That's usually why I pick the topics that I'm picking. But also, it seems like, at least going from his website and other things that I've looked into, in a short time I've been looking into him, he is somewhat influential. Um, according to Rolling Stone, and this is a this is a quote that is on his own website, Ro Robertson is spreading the good news of an inclusive, modern gospel. Otherwise known to people who um, believe the gospel, another gospel entirely you know, inclusive, basically people who haven't repented, and uh, yeah, uh, depends what you mean by that, but yeah, we want to include all people of all backgrounds, of all tongues and everything else, however, they look to the one Jesus with the one gospel by which we are all saved, those who are in Jesus Christ. Um, the inclusiveness, though, from the progressive side, uh, which claims to be Christian, is not Christian, and it, yeah. But it it does come up, and here's the thing. There are things years ago we, we, we remained pretty quiet on. You could say in the church, bar a few people here and there. And these things have become mainstream. Now, it doesn't mean we chase every single news item and everybody's saying crazy stuff. You're going to get that, and I don't think it's wise or a good idea to go over every single comment in the media and to be obsessed about it and all this kind of thing. However, at the same time, Robertson do, does seem to have a certain range of influence. Uh, for example, again, this is from his own website, Rob uh, James Martin, who's a, a famous enough Jesuit priest, um, said this about him and james martin is a new york times bestseller he's also pretty left left leaning and uh yeah he said some really terrible things over the years i've done programs on james martin as well in the past but he said this about about brandon brandon is one of the most original of contemporary christian writers a compassionate pastor a real advocate for justice in the world by justice, he probably means social justice, not the justice of the Bible. Um, that kind of justice of Roman Catholic teaching and things like that is generally very much akin to redistribution of wealth and things like that. Um, another name that you probably would have heard, Rob Bell, says this. The thing about Brandon is he's really intelligent and has a huge heart. and He's also fearless, and it's all that alchemy that makes him such a compelling voice anyway so he's obviously having some impact uh, on in various places and again very very similar arguments that i've heard time and time again and i thought okay well, it might be a good idea to look into a refutation on this one program <laughs> one program 
only. Uh, he came into the to be discussed in a number of podcast radio programs that I stumbled upon. I think this was back in April, but sadly he says this, and he's known as a TikTok pastor because largely he's quote-unquote pastoring is online. He says, declares Jesus isn't the only way to salvation. Uh, This is from the Christian Post from the 18th of April. Just trying to double check that that's not just the date that I printed this off. I've, I've had this printed off weeks ago. And yeah, so this is, yeah, this is recent enough. This is from the Christian Post. It says, Jesus isn't the only way to salvation, insist TikTok pastor Brandon Robertson, who's prog- progressively preaching on the Chinese-owned and video-focused fo- social networking service has reached millions. Yeah, and... Um, they quote from him here saying, if God is infinite, eternal, and indescribable and uncontainable, no religion can contain God. Um, it becomes self-refuting, but we'll get into this in a second. Indeed, no words can contain God. So, he also says that someone who's always on a journey... Uh, so yeah, and you'll you'll hear this kind of stuff again and again and again. And this these kind of comments are not very original um, to him. You'd hear it. You'd hear people. You know, you'd be you'd be doing evangelism on the street. And this is probably where this is more valuable than anything else. Um, this man who, who claims to be a Christian pastor, but it, apparently it is of a, a digital progressive faith community. That is not a church. You can't pastor somebody through a forum or whatever else like that. I I don't understand. I'd be honest. I do not understand the logic of a of people who seem to want to be online. And have replaced. There's some people around the world have just replaced and think that they're going to church by live streaming an event. Now, this has been exacerbated in the last two years because of the lockdowns and everything else. And that really caught us on the hop. And what we've really got to do is we, we have to know what it means to gather. You can't gather electronically with people, not in a biblical, meaningful way. Now, if you're sick and for whatever reason you just can't get there or, I don't know, just say there's a meeting and you wouldn't have been able to make it anyway. And you are watching the live stream, you know, because you're minding your children or whatever, fair enough, but you're not gathering with them. There, There is a limited... There is a limited benefit, just like there is listening to any sermon, but you're not gathering with them. Not in a a meaningful biblical sense. In the same way, I, by ringing 
my parents down in Cork, I haven't visited them when I, while talking to them on Skype or something else like that. Same kind of logic. We gather together as one in one place, in one location. Now, can it be used for to limit the capacity in various different ways? Yes, but I think you need to be careful. I think probably there's been an overuse of Zoom in the last two years. The the whole digital thing, it, it's dangerous. I, I mean, there's even people who believe, and these aren't terrible teachers or anything, although this is a terrible view, that they can observe the Lord's table electronic or not yeah electronically it's even ridiculous to say it out loud I think there's something profoundly wrong with the church when there's any acceptance of views such as you can observe the Lord's table which is all about gathering together by the way so is preaching so is corporate prayer and so is um you can't preach to a screen, by the way. So is the worship service. This is all about gathering together. And this has been growing for years. And I think if, if we would have done it five years ago, maybe ten years ago, it probably would have not been accepted. But because we've become so isolated from each other and become so... The last two years has really put me off technology, and I think it does real damage. We need to see each other. Now, having said that, I'm not a big fan of too much technology. It can be helpful for some people. Some people, lonely, shut-ins, things like that. But for the vast, vast majority of us, we need to do whatever we can do. And by the way, even the people who are shut-ins and everything else, they can be visited and they should be visited. But even at the same time, even years ago, a phone call is better than nothing. So, so it really grieves me when I hear about he describes himself as lead pastor of Metanoia Church, a digital progressive faith community. And it's symptomatic of a pattern of non-committal church membership. For a long time, okay, you had, you know, the kind of people who never commit to a church and are always going from one place to another, never members of anywhere. Now the the lack of commitment to church has gotten to the point now where it's just online, just plug in, turn on your Skype or whatever. And so then nobody can tell you what to do. And I, it's not always like this. There are, can be some cases where people have had bad experiences and have reacted to that. By the way, the, the we should just say something goes drastically wrong in one church it doesn't mean we abandon the church maybe we need to go to a different church but we go somewhere we go somewhere 
But a lot of the time, I think it is purely people are not willing to be submissive to the rule of eldership. Imperfect elders who God has put there in that place. Now, this man, I would not include in that. I have no idea if he has ever been ordained. Now, he doesn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So whether he has been properly ordained or not, or whatever the case may be, or has he raised himself up, or has a community of online people raised him up, or whatever, he, however you might want to classify it, he is a false teacher, denying the only way, the truth, and the life, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to just start there. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life in John 14, 16. He has given us words to describe him. And yes, we cannot know God exhaustively, but we can clearly know God because he has communicated in his word all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's profitable. 2 Timothy chapter two verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. So before we get into the other arguments that, again, are used philosophically and other things about use of language and other things like that, when in doubt, perhaps the words, the, the God-breathed words of Paul the Apostle are far better than any online teacher. And this, just to say this, be careful with trusting anything you read online. I know people think that we're very discerning today and we're not gullible and things like that, but sometimes we can be. I, re I remember when I was just saved, I, I, I started downloading everything, get my hands on podcasts, everything. And I listened to everything. This is back in 2009. I... Well, back in the day, I used to even, I mean, I I just downloaded anything and get my hands on everything uh, from the heretical and terrible, like Stephen Anderson, didn't know what, it, didn't like what he said sometimes, even back then. Um, William Lane Craig, who I'm not a big fan of anymore. And this is one of the reasons that this program kind of came out. So I was like funny, a lot of bad stuff out there. And maybe trying to help others to go in the right direction. But just because somebody's online, doesn't mean they're good. And just because somebody has no online presence and just pastors a small church and doesn't have whatever, doesn't mean they're not great. Some of the best pastors you're ever going to see, some of the best teachers you're going to ever see, have probably zero presence online. There are men greatly used by God, greatly gifted by God, and they'll pastor to 20, 30 people, and it's those people, perhaps a few people in the wider church know about them, and that's it. But that is a massively important role. Far more important than running some online community. Uh, how you can, how that shepherd can, through a screen, feed lead, guide skillfully is beyond me. It can't even be done with doctors in surgeries, but I digress. Well, that's that's the online aspect of it. It gets worse. Um, so, starting off with, Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture 
It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So we have a problem. We either, either believe the words of Scripture or you believe the words of men like this. And we'll say, yea, hath God said, and cause you to doubt, deny what God said, and then in the, in the process of doing that, deify man and his opinion. And make him the measure of all things. Now, Well, the quote here I find interesting, just before we get to the, he has a program, how long is the program? His program is like 22 minutes long, uh, it's called the Brandon Robertson Show, but before we get into that, in this Christian Post article, there's uh, an interesting comment that he makes, again, he says, if God is infinite, no, no, God is infinite, <laughs> yeah, he is infinite, he is eternal, um, indescribable um okay in the beginning was the word we can know god but that does not mean we know god exhaustively we can we can describe him he is holy he is righteous. He is just. Can we wrap our minds around that fully in the totality? No, and this is why for all eternity we will be in awe of him and worship him and just be, wow. So indescribable. Uncontainable. Um, Yeah, he cannot be contained within temples made with hands, okay, but God dwelt in a special way in the Holy of Holies, okay? He's, omnipre he's omnipresent as well. So it all depends on what do you mean. There needs to be clarification. There needs to be definition. And it says no religion can contain God. Uh, no religion? How about true religion? It's not about containing God. It's about our worship and service of God. It's about what the truth is. And also, we have been created in the image of God. And part of that image is that we won't be able to understand God it exhaustively but we will have language that is analogous that will describe god we can know god adam and eve when they were created first they knew god then they fell into sin and they ran away from god but they had the capacity they were created with a capacity to know God. This ignores the way God has created us in the image of God. If the image of God is to mean anything, and he says, no words can contain God. 
God is holy. God is righteous. God is eternal. God is the only wise God. God is love. So the scriptures uses language to describe God. Who he is. There's also an amazing self-refutation kind of going on here. If no words can contain God, how can any words describe dogmatically that you can't know God? How do you know? You know, He'll say, how do you know that you can know God? Well, how do you know that you can't know God? And it becomes self-refuting. And all language becomes useless. And, you, and the, even the conversation becomes useless. And he says he describes himself on a journey. Yes, a journey into blindness. And trying to lead other people in that blindness. Again, I don't know if he's ever been legitimately ordained. I don't know if he ever professed true... No, oh, it's actually um Yeah, I don't know exactly what it, it says in this article, a graduate of Moody Bible Institute, that does not mean he's ordained, but a, and a one-time parishioner of the Anglican Church in North Americans uh Chicago-based greenhouse church planting movement. So Okay. That brings me on to Uh, this, I suppose you call it a podcast, and the title of it is uh, Why I Am a Christian Agnostic, and this is, again, Brandon Robertson, and for the remainder of the program, we're just going to play it and respond to it. going to start now in a second. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brandon Robertson Show. My name is Brandon Robertson. I'm an author, a minister, a theologian, and an activist. And every Friday, I come here on YouTube to talk about something related to progressive spirituality, politics, uh, social justice, really anything at the intersection of faith and making the world a better place. And today I wanted to come and talk to you about... Okay, um, just to respond to that thing, making a world a better place, um, telling people, because how, how are we supposed to know what is good, what is holy, what is righteous, and everything else? You have to know who God is in order to be able to do that. God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. God is the one who made man in his own image. So we have to go to him and... Unless you have a clear understanding of who he is, 
You're bringing just confusion. First John chapter 1 is a verse 3 and he is tells us that he is that message. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the the very message, the one you're proclaiming is Jesus. And this what he's saying is that he doesn't know what he's proclaiming as a self-professed teacher. A topic that many people might find a little disconcerting. Lately, I've been finding myself drawn towards a term that many people find to be a contradiction. I've been identifying as a Christian agnostic. And for a lot of people, when they hear that, their heads spin and they're like, what in the world are you talking about? How can you be a Christian, which most people believe is, by definition, someone who believes in God and an agnostic, which many people... No, 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 it's more than that. It's not just somebody believes in God. Somebody not just believes, because that can mean believes that God exists. A lot of people say that they believe God, but... You know, never go to church, etc. So we need to clarify that. Someone who has repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. The, the five solas of the Reformation, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. For, for the glory of God alone. So that's what a Christian is. Someone who trusts. And if you trust somebody else... You have to have knowledge of that person and you have to know that what they say is true and believe what they say is true because how can you trust something you don't know and how can you trust something you don't believe to be true? The reformers used to break it down into three Kind of divide into three categories. You had uh, knowledge, assent, and trust. And in Latin, it was uh, notitia or notitia. My Latin's not, my Latin's worse than useless. But um, assensus and fiducia. Again, apologies if anybody actually is good at Latin. I've never studied Latin. But it is divided into those three categories and has been for centuries in the Reformed community. As in, you need to have knowledge of what you believe, you need to assent to it, and you need to also trust him. So how can you say at the same time then, agnostic, which means, uh, by definition, gnostic means knowledge, put an A in front of something, it's a negation of that. It's like telling your wife I love you but I don't love you I trust you but I don't know anything about you but this is postmodernism this is this is the blind man spiritually blind with his own reason as his own God. Let's get back to this. Understand, as somebody who doesn't know if there's a God and doesn't know if the big questions of life can ever actually be answered. 
And if I'm honest, I don't really feel that contradiction at all. I understand where people are coming from when they say, how in the world can you bring these two things together? But my understanding of Christianity and my understanding of agnosticism seems to bring these two pieces together quite beautifully. Let me explain. Okay, you shouldn't be teaching anything then. I mean, I believe that a Christian, at the most basic, is somebody who believes in the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. But if you don't know that God exists, then how can you believe that Jesus Christ is God? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you don't believe or you're not sure if God exists, or whatever, well, you're not sure if the Bible is the word of God, how can you trust what it says? Because to believe Jesus, to trust Jesus, is to trust the word of God. According to the gospel accounts, came with one mission and one mission only. To proclaim a message of good news to the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed. And to draw people into living in a new... And what's that message? Who knows? If you're agnostic, well, because Jesus was either a... You know, I'm no fan of C.S. Lewis, but I agree with what he said in this part. Liar, Lord, liar, lunatic. He's either Lord because he, you know, he said before the Jews, before Abraham was, I am. He's claiming to be God. That is the very title of God. Ego emi in, in, in Greek. I am. And... That's what God said to, to Moses in the burning bush. I am, send you. So Jesus, and that's just one example among many, is claiming to be Jehovah of the Old Testament, the Lord. So he's either that or he's a, a liar. He's lying. Or he's a lunatic. Or he didn't know what he was talking about. How can that can be? How can that be the message of light that is referred to in the Bible in First John chapter five? Or, so, sorry, First John chapter one, verse five. Then this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. This is the message, and all, and in him is no darkness at all. So Jesus is coming with a message, but but how can he be trusted in anything if anything that he is that Brandon here is saying is true? But there are how many countless people around the world who believe stuff like this? By the way, this is not just him. This would be probably the vast majority of people claim to be Christians. A lot of people around the world claim to be Christians, but they're not. They never read the Bible. Some people have never even been to, been into a, a building called a church. And a lot of them would say they're not even sure if Jesus is real. I mean, or God is real or Jesus is real or anything else like that. I, there was a survey from Ligonier a couple of years ago that brought out a lot of the, the fact that a lot of people in 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 
I'm trying to remember where this was done. It was done in Britain. Might have been more of the mainland, but by mainland, I mean uh, England, Scotland, and Wales. But also in the United States, the same problem as well. Of a lot of people who say they're Christians, say, you know, they'll if somebody asks them what religion you are, and you say Christian, but if you boil it down to them, they are really agnostics. The thing is, they just don't go online teaching it. Because they would feel a bit silly, but... Way. A way that transformed their life and transformed their world. So to be a follower of Jesus means that you actually just look at the teachings of Jesus and say, I'm going to try to follow these. I'm going to try to obey these. But why would, why would you? Why? He claimed to be God. If he's not, why would you follow such a person? Try to conform my life to the way that Jesus told us to live. You can do that without believing in the doctrines of any particular church. You can do that without even believing in God. You see, Jesus himself, this... This was the problem with liberalism from the very get-go. Years ago, um, I think it was Friedrich Schleiermacher, this was about 200 years ago, a German theologian, and in his effort, misguided effort, to defend Christianity, he came up with a kind of a teaching that was akin to, well, it doesn't matter what you believe in your head. What matters is your feeling of dependency upon Jesus. It's a very simple way of explaining what Schleiermacher said. Um, Ian, I think Ian H. Murray brought this out in his book, Evangelicalism Divided, an excellent book. So you could be an atheist and a Christian, hypothetically, at the same time. So again, nothing new under the sun, but it just, it's utterly ridiculous. If you look at the claims of Jesus Christ, if you look at what Hebrews says about Jesus, or, or, uh, thy throne, O God, is from everlasting to everlasting. Just trying to dig out um, Hebrews chapter 1. This is fine. This will make sense if you've never read the Bible. If you've never sat down and thought about it and slowed down and really think, well, what are the claims been made by Jesus here? And also the fact that from Genesis to Revelation are the word of God. The word of God is powerful. It created in, 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 in creation week. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was was God in John 1.1. 1, 1. And then at the beginning, um, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus is described as the word. As the one with power over the storms. Who is called my Lord and my God. Wasn't by Thomas. So, if, if that's all wrong, why? Would he be right on anything? This is what it says in Hebrews 1 verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Forever and ever. 
That means he's eternal. He has reigned. He is the eternal God. So he has reigned from, from eternity past to eternity, eternity future. He is the king of the ages. King currently. Uh, he's been given all authority in heaven and earth. All authority in heaven and earth. By the way, you can't keep uh, the law of God. We are sinners. Only Jesus kept the law of God. He kept it perfectly in our place. And if we attempt to bring our own righteousnesses before the throne of God, and worse, we, we spit in his face by saying we're not even sure if he's real. Look, the heavens declare the glory of God. If you come to a, a masterpiece of a painting, you don't just say it created itself. No, the painting will tell you of the painter. Point towards the artistry and, and the beauty of and the skill. Well, you see that as well in creation. Now, we suppress the truth and righteousness, but that's an unbeliever. No image bearer of God has a trouble, intellectually speaking, of the idea of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Not just that there's a creator out there, but it was only God who could have done this. No, it's not possible. It's absolutely laughable. And this is the type of thing that most people and this is why people sound so ridiculous when they say it. It sounds so contradictory because it is, you want your cake and eat it. You want that, you want to feel religious, but not have to submit. You can cherry pick what you submit to. It says in Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead or you know, deity really there. So that they are without excuse. This, and this is all about unbelievers. Uh, by the way, that's that's what Brandon is. He's an unbeliever. Seem obvious, but Jesus himself wasn't a Christian. From birth to death, Jesus was a faithful Jew, and he never came to start a new religion. Yeah, he never came to start a new religion because, um, as Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29 says, for he's not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he that is a Jew is one inwardly, and the circumcision that is of the heart. Who is a true Jew today? You could say, well, it's a born-again Christian. The people who are Jewish and haven't trusted in Jesus Christ are people who have rejected their Messiah. Not just of the Jewish nation, but also the whole world. He's... Anybody who hasn't believed in Jesus. In 
the Old Testament, the visible church, visible church, those who made a profession of faith in, 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 in the Lord, was Israel. Then later on it was Judah, when basically the northern kingdom became apostate. And they kind of a, a, an amalgamation and a blend, especially by the time of the exile and what the Assyrians did to the northern kingdom. But the visible church was the Jews. There's one church that goes right back to Genesis 3 and all the way into the future. The Gentiles, they have been grafted in by faith. Not starting something new, it's a new covenant. Not some brand new thing. A Christian can read through the book of Isaiah and point to Christ. A Christian, minister at least, can look through the, and teach from Genesis to Deuteronomy and show in the types and shadows how it points towards Christ. It's not something new. How is this something new at all? It's not at all new. It's The Old and New Testaments are the, are the two lips from which God speaks. I think that was Augustine who said that. Jesus' message in some senses wasn't dependent upon a religion. It relied heavily on the language of Judaism and the concepts and images of Judaism. But his message of love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy, bless those who persecute you, sell all you have and give to the poor. These are universal ethical and moral values. Let's just go through that one more time. Death, Jesus was a faithful Jew. and he, he, Yeah, he was a faithful Jew. Yeah, he kept the law perfectly in our place. The law, the eternal law, the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. By the way, that was in the Garden of Eden, long before the Jewish nation, long before the nation of Israel. He kept the law, and he also died in the place and of those who sinned, and you know are are his people. Never came to start a new religion. Jesus's message, in some senses, wasn't dependent upon a religion. It relied heavily. He was the message. He is the truth, the way, and the life. It's him. The language of Judaism and the concepts and images of Judaism, but his message of love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself is a summarization of the second table of the law, starting in commandment five, all the way down to commandment 10. Honor your father and your mother as part of that loving your neighbor as yourself, all the way down to thou shall not covet. That's loving your neighbor. That's what it looks like. It's not just some mystical unknowing what, what love your neighbor is and you just make it up as you go along. It has been, it's, that is a summarization of the law of God. And it's done a couple of different ways. One of the ways is to love the Lord, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, but also, you know, commandment five down to 10. That's another way it has been summarized in the scriptures. Love your enemy. Bless those who... Yeah, love your enemy. Because 
God also showed love towards his enemies in sending rain and sunshine and other things, other things undeserving. And we're to follow in like example. I can't remember exactly where that is in Deuteronomy. I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 6. But we are to be like God. We are to be imitators of God. The communicable attributes of God. We can't be omnipresent, of course. We can't be all-knowing. Yeah. But at the same time, we are to be like him in, sh in loving our, our enemies in the same way that Christ loved his enemies. But this is all part of the law of God. And it's not like the New Testament is something opposed or at odds with the Old Testament. They are the same message. The same gospel, the same savior. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Again, in an Augustine quote. Execute you, sell all you have and give to the poor. These. Yeah, you can, you, well, he's taking that out of context. Um, sell all you have and give it to the poor is not a universal. That is um, saying to the rich young ruler, it's given in a couple of different places. Sometimes he's called young. In one, I think in Luke, he's called a ruler. And I think, where was the one who's called rich? Yeah, anyway, the, the rich young ruler is talked about in, in Mark, Matthew, and in Luke, if I'm not mistaken. And that person trusted in his riches, and he couldn't let go of his riches. Don't say it to anybody else. This is not a universal ethic. Um, if he has, why does he have any possessions? I'm, you know... <laughs> um, he was rich and he had much riches and he wasn't willing really. I mean, that showed that he wasn't really willing to follow God because he thought he kept the law of God. If you read any of the accounts of the rich young ruler, he thought, oh, I've kept all these. Oh, I'm good. Jesus was exposing. No, he didn't. Universal ethical and moral values that we find in many prophets, sages, and seers throughout the ages. In and why is that? Because we've all been created in the image of God. There, yeah, there will be some overlap. You know, for example, because we've been created in the image of God, that's why every culture, generally speaking, is against murder. And we'll have laws against murder because of the image of God, because of what the Bible says, not because of what any other religion says unless it's borrowing from scriptures or Judaism, like Islam does at times and other things like that. But apart from that, how else to explain it? Where's the source? Where's the source of this commonality? The fact that we've been created in the image of God and the fact that ooh, the heavens declare the glory of God and this law has been written in our hearts. Now we hold it in, we, we fight against it, we... We don't accept that, but that's why there's such an overlap. Cultures and different religions. So in that sense, Jesus wasn't all that unique. His message of social renewal, his socio-political vision of what the world could be like was a message that many... Pro a Jesus who is not unique, and if he's just like any other sage, is an idol... It's a figment of someone's imagination, and it is a it is a figment of someone who's yeah nothing based on scripture. Read the Bible and see if you can come up with this.
prophets and seers and sages have tried to proclaim in their own lives. Jesus came along using his Jewish tradition and using this messianic idea that God was one day going to come and set up a new government on earth. Starting to sound a lot like, you know, all religions and all roads lead to exactly the same place and they're all saying the same thing. A lot like it was a Ted Turner from CNN years ago with that, you know, that all the religions kind of got together in the United Nations. And uh, why does the road that leadeth unto destruction? And many there be that go thereat. If it's a broad road you're going on, then it leads to destruction. New way for humanity to order ourselves that would bring about the flourishing and the equality and justice of all beings. That's what Jesus drew upon. Uh, the justice of God would bring the wrath of God upon all of us. That's in John 3. That's what John said to Nicodemus. And you'll notice as well, there's not a lick of scripture. None. And this is... Yeah. So Matthew chapter 7, just talking about like this whole broad way. Verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth, un leadeth to destruction. And many there be go in thereat, because that that is the gate. Oh, sorry, straight is the gate. I'm reading from a Bible that's heavily underlined in that place. Uh, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The broad road leads to destruction. And the narrow road, or, you know, sometimes translated kind of difficult or constricted or because there's kind of this idea of outward pressure kind of coming in. I think it's described almost like um, kind of a crushing of a grape. That's the kind of the Greek word being used there. That's the narrow way. That's the difficult way. The road that just embraces all is a, is a wide, broad road. It leads to hell. There are many ways to go to hell. Many ways. Countless ways. There's only one way to heaven. And he said the way we create this kingdom that we're hoping for, this messianic ideal, is through the simple subversive acts of love. The, king, the kingdom we're hoping for, fall of man, is a kingdom of his own design. Uh, kingdom of man's heart is a product of what Cain did to Abel. Murder, sin, destruction. He wants to rule. Uh, Cain hated the works of his brother, Abel. And again, it all goes back to, well, a presumption that man is good and, uh, and, and somehow the... the the, the perfect standard, the perfect righteous standard by which we'll all be judged is kind of somehow unknowable. I believe that. As a minister, I teach that. That's what I want to teach people to do. Follow Jesus. I really don't care whether you believe Jesus is the incarnation of God or not. Now, again, somebody's going to clip that out and say, look, heresy. I really don't it's yeah it's like i don't care well if 
or, you know, that is true. You do not care. You don't care about a person's soul. And you don't believe the Jesus of the Bible. Oh, lots of people want the Jesus of their imagination. He's an idol. He's another Jesus, and that's another gospel. But if we actually look at the Jesus of the Gospels, he didn't go around testing people's theology. The Jesus of the Gospels went around asking... Yeah, he did. He showed them that they were trusting in their own works. And the, the righteousness of that their righteousness need to ex exceed that of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Why? Because the Pharisees were trusting in themselves and were self-righteous and weren't trusting in the Savior. That is theology. <laughs> they weren't humble. Mark's Gospel presents a focus in Jesus' ministry, which is basically this. You're wrong on who you think the Messiah is. That's why up until chapter 8, there's no, it's all, you know, don't tell anyone who I am. Because they don't know the Messiah that they're looking for. All the way. Mark is so confrontational on their false views of who, of who the Messiah was. All the Gospels have their different focus. Matthew has his focus. Mark has his focus. But it's all... Mark is very confrontational about their false views. Anyway. ...people to change their way of living. He critiqued the way we live. He invited people to actually do things. Which is the fruit of bad views. If you, yeah, they, they can be critiques of the way you live, as, as there was back in the days of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse, what was it, verse 17. The way they live, they oppressed their neighbor because they didn't really love, and, you know, their, their worship was, was not from sincerity and a love for God. So then it was a stench before God. And they were called to repent of that. If, you know, people are claiming to be orthodox and live in a completely different way, then that is to be rebuked and corrected. Because you're really saying the, the way you live is saying something wrong with what's in your heart. That's correcting theology. You can say it's correcting ethics or whatever, but it's correcting theology. A, a Christianity that says, well, I believe these truths of the gospel, but I live in a way that is completely contradictory to what I claim is not Christianity of the Bible. Oh, like every few seconds, there's something incredibly inaccurate. I've yet to find anything in this video, I think, that has actually been accurate, but I digress transformed the world that they lived in. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. Not a fan of Jesus, 
Not even somebody who primarily is a worshiper of this ideal of Jesus, but somebody who sees Jesus as a human being, as an elder brother, whom I can emulate. So that's, yeah, he's basically given what, what it is, you know, Brandon's Jesus is not God. He's just a good example. And he's not a savior. And because of that, you're still in your sin. Whom, through emulating, we can bring about the more beautiful, just, and equal world that our hearts desire. That's what I think most basically a uh, more equal world how many people desire the, the kingdom of me 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 i mean that, that's really what they want to do look this is taking a bit longer than expected so we're probably going to wrap this up in about five ten minutes we're not going to get through it all uh, we'll see how much we can get through Genius. and many people throughout the ages have posited this very thing I'd argue that James, the brother of Jesus, James is one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. James literally was the biological brother of Jesus. And his message to the early Christians was basically, faith is important, but if you're not following the ethical teachings of my brother, faith without works is dead. As in, if you claim to be a believer and your works deny that, and you have no works, well, you don't actually believe. That's that's the message of, well, James chapter 2 at least. Brother, if you're not loving the marginalized and the oppressed, if you're not trying to be a good person in the way of Jesus, you're not a follower of Jesus and your faith is in vain. So you're, see, this is what's amazing about this so far. He's, a, he's, he's not a fan of Jesus. He, he's, he's not even a worshiper of Jesus, but he follows Jesus. And he says, but the message of James is if you're not, you know, loving your neighbor, then you're not really a follower of Jesus. Uh, yeah, trying to keep up. It's, um, yeah, it, it obviously doesn't make sense, but that's the kind of Christian I am. I'm a, a James Christian. I'm a Jesus Christian. Thomas Jefferson. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. Loads of people, even New Agers and pagans will take bits of the Bible that they agree with. Or, you know, actually, they don't really agree with it. They just put it into their own context and it, it, it no longer means what it originally meant. Sweet wrote a book that's now known as the Jefferson Bible, but it was really called The Life and Teachings of Jesus in Nazareth, or it might have been The Life and Morals of Jesus. Yeah, Jefferson was a, wasn't he a deist or something? He wasn't a Christian. Cut out parts of the Bible. Nazareth, where he went through the Gospels, picked out all the moral teachings of Jesus and put it into a book and said, this is what I want to follow. This is the ethical principles. The, the ethical principles have no basis... The, the ethical principles flow out of the teachings of who God is. We love God because of who he is. And we love our neighbor because they've been created in the image of God. And we've com been commanded to do so. There's no basis for any of the ethical principles
of the Christian faith without the foundation of who God is and without the truth, without the law of God, without the reality of who God is. You take away that, you have taken away the root from the tree and that tree will die. Oh yeah, there's lots of people would love just the moral ethical principles because they see this is good for society. Why? Why would you love your neighbor? What's the value of loving your neighbor? Why would you love your neighbor? Why not just... If if God doesn't exist, well, why not just um, do whatever? You know, act like the animals, like the animal kingdom, and just devour one another. Why is that not right? Why not just love your family and that's it? Nobody else. Because of the reality that if you attack an image bearer of God, it's really an attack on God. This is why back in Genesis 9-6, there's the death penalty against those who kill whoever sheds, shed man's blood. Death penalty was brought in for that. That's the only reason. Is it wrong for, say, for example, a lion to kill a zebra? A zebra? No, it's not. Well, if God doesn't exist, and we're all just animals, then in that case, what's wrong with. You know where I'm going with this. You don't, what, what I'm saying is you can have, there's no foundation for any of the ethical principles that Jefferson liked. You see, what they're basically saying is, I can see that they're good because you can see God, right? But they just don't want to submit to him. You see the benefits and the blessings of this being around you. You just want your own reign. And you don't want to submit to God. My life to be based upon, and he invited others to follow. I think that's something Jesus would be pleased with. You might believe in the supernatural claims of the Gospels. Fine. I'm open to that. I think Jesus probably did do some supernatural things, but I don't think that's where the foundation of my faith lies. The foundation of my faith lies on the fact does it even need refutation? I'm going to finish this off in a second. I believe Jesus had... If you don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus walked on water and other things, you don't believe in Jesus and you're not saved and you're still in your sin and you are a slave to your sin. Right now, this is a sinful... This is satanic. This is not somebody on a journey just making some mistake. This is somebody going out and spreading the doubt akin to what the devil did at the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. Vision for the world that I think works. A vision for my life that I think works. 
and that if I try day after day to... There's no, there's no Bible verses here. It's just all what I think, what I think, what our hearts want. What our, men don't want God. This is why the problem is in the first place. I think that's that's it. There's probably plenty of... Probably I did more than that I probably should have done. So that's my refutation, a covering of Brandon Robertson. Perhaps next week, hopefully at some stage, I will get a chance to do another program on the catechism and just one or two other topics that I hope to get done soon. Just keep checking back to megitaradio.com and subscribe to any of the links if you're on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I forget. <laughs> I don't forget half the time how the subscribing works anymore, but hopefully you'll be able to figure it out. Click on one of the links on the right-hand side at megitaradio.com. Any messages, megitaradio at gmail.com for any questions and suggestions of programs. This has been Paul Flynn. May God bless you all.